Hello, and welcome to another episode of Of Sound Health. Today we will be talking about the many benefits of meditation, highlighting the anti-aging, mood-regulating, and memory-enhancing effects of meditation. So, what is meditation? The following is a definition from the NIH's National Center for Complementary and Integrative Health's website. Meditation is a mind and body practice that has a long history for use for increasing calmness and physical relaxation, improving psychological balance, coping with illness, and enhancing overall health and well-being. Mind-body practices focus on the interactions among the brain, mind, body, and behavior. So, my experience has been that meditations, most meditations, And my studies have shown that most meditations come from the Vedic yogic forms of meditation. For example, mantra meditation is a traditional yoga form of meditation using the repetition of a sound. And it's found popularized today in the U.S. by Transcendental Meditation and the Chopra Center's Primordial Sound Meditation, among other meditations. Mantra meditation can definitely include uh, contemplative prayer, for instance, that uses a Bible verse as a sort of mantra and repetitive verbal statement. Uh, Mindfulness is a form of Vipassana meditation, which is a Buddha meditation, and Buddha was a yogi. So the majority of techniques or elements that are found in meditation come from or were codified by yogic Vedic texts. The main part of meditation that predates religion, so it's really important for all of us to understand that meditation is not a religion. And while it's presently found in many religious practices, it is in itself, in general, not a religion, a religion or a religious practice per se, any more than saying kneeling is in the domain of a religious practice. So um, when you engage in meditation, and especially some of the more secularized ones, such as mindfulness, you will find that it is a practice that not only enhances your own personal spiritual practice, it will enhance your life overall and in general beyond the realms of a spiritual practice. So you'll get the spiritual benefits, which of course then enter your realm like all spiritual practices do into your emotional life, physical life, interaction life, environmental relationship life, etc. There are many types of meditation, but the most have four elements. And again, this is from the NIH's website. They mostly have a quiet location, which as you become more and more advanced in meditation will no longer be necessary. That's my aside. And um, few distractions as possible. A specific comfortable posture, sitting, lying down, waking, or in other positions. A focus of attention, either a chosen word, set of words, an object, or sensations, etc. It could be the breath. And an open attitude, letting distractions come and go naturally without judging them. Some of the ones that you may have heard are mindfulness meditation, spiritual meditation, focused meditation, movement meditation, mantra meditation, transcendental meditation, progressive relaxation, loving-kindness meditation, visualization meditation. So, to conclude, meditation is a form of relaxation and it results in relaxation. 
Today, we're going to discuss and practice three forms of meditation that have very powerful research behind them for anti-aging, mood balancing, and memory enhancement. the three methods of meditation we will be looking at today. We will be looking at mantra meditation, which is a type of meditation you will be silently repeating a calming word, thought, or phrase to prevent distracting thoughts. We will also be practicing a mindfulness meditation, and in this type of meditation, it's a process of being mindful, that is, having an increased awareness and acceptance and living in the present moment without any judgment. Focused meditation involves concentrating using any of the five senses. For example, you can focus on something internal, such as your breath, or external, focusing your attention on anything experienced by your five senses, like a yantra, a mantra, a sound, etc. Before we begin, I'm sure you noticed that we mentioned relaxation. Well, as the previous episode, we did go through all the benefits of relaxation, and then we just mentioned how meditation does result in relaxation and how relaxation can sometimes result in meditation. So exactly what is the difference between meditation and relaxation? Well, let's start with how relaxation and meditation are alike. Because both relaxation and meditation, as we covered in the previous episode, are practices that cultivate and support the relaxation response as opposed to the stress response. Both meditation and relaxation techniques, by inducing the relaxation response, result in the same immediate and long-term healing and health and well-being outcomes as found in the research literature. That is, they lower blood pressure, they balance the heart rate, as well as they enhance and increase heart rate variability, decreased inflammation, muscle tension, pain, depression, anxiety, and they decrease metabolic illnesses such as diabetes, autoimmune disorders, and suppression of disease-causing gene behaviors and increasing disease-fighting genes and longevity behaviors at a cellular level. So meditation and relaxation affect us on a macrophysical behavioral level as well as a microcellular genetic level. Pretty good. So With that being said, additionally, there is a lot of overlap between the practice and relaxation and meditation. So there is overlap between the practice elements, the experience, and the positive mental and physical health and well-being outcomes. For instance, both may use breath or sound, conscious intention and attention. Both of them will make you calmer, healthier, and happier. And there's thousands of studies to suggest both of them reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and depression. So let's talk about some of the main differences between them. The main difference between relaxation and meditation is that meditation is actively about learning the patterns of your mind, becoming familiar with them, and learning to witness and manage manage them to respond rather than to react when confronted with them and given a choice on how to behave. So meditation, as Swami Rama once said, meditation introduces you to yourself, the true self, your true nature, 
The mind-body practices coming from the yogic philosophy are that our true nature is joy and love. Therefore, the accumulation of stress clouds that awareness. The meditation practices are the ones that clear away the accumulation of conditioning and stress and allow us to experience our true nature and hence to act from that true nature. So, relaxation sometimes may be needed to be reached before meditating for some individuals. However, relaxation is also a secondary effect of meditation. But meditative practices go beyond relaxation, as I just said. They are more where relaxation is can sometimes more more passive, that is, have a more passive component to it than meditation. And by that, I mean. You may find that some relaxation practice elements may or may not include your active participation, such as music making. You may either chant a mantra, but you may take a sound bath, which is a much more receptive experience. So, for instance, in many trans- traditions, relaxation practices are the preparation for meditation, or are the meditation practice in themselves. So to answer the question, what is the difference between relaxation and meditation? Like so many client-centered, individualized practices such as occupational therapy and mind-body practices in general, it really depends. It depends a lot on you. That is, the mind practices are more of a spectrum of well-being and cyclical. And what do I mean by that? I mean that while some relaxation techniques initially may only be intended as a quote-unquote relaxation practice, a person may find themselves experiencing deep, profound meditative experiences just using relaxation techniques. That might be enough for them, depending on where they are consciously. I like to think of it as more like we are the soil upon which meditation seeds or relaxation seeds are planted, and the particular plant. That sprouts and blossoms depends on the particular soil and terrain. They cannot be separated. So, if you happen to have a particular fertile and rich soil, what would that plant be like? What sort of seeds are they? And to what extent and what aspects are being taking place will be the result of the interaction between you and the practices and your behaviors. Initially, in my training and practice with Ashtanga Yoga, which was my the first yoga practice I、uh, embarked on when I started doing yoga, we practiced Shavasana, which is a relaxation、uh, practice, corpse pose, at the end of the class, and then meditation. So you could be you could say that relaxation then was preparing us for meditation. So the entire class, the entire experience, was involved with yoga poses and breath practice of Ujjayi, the ocean breath. Which began the process of a moving yoga meditation, to a relaxing meditation in the savasana pose, to a seated meditation at the end of the practice, utilizing the four stages of meditation. That was the going inward of the senses, pratyahara, concentration, dharana, and then meditation, dhyana, and samadhi. Does it always have to be this way? Not at all. Hence, what is clear and important for most of us is that both practices, meditation and relaxation, are free to learn, usually in the form of courses on YouTube, teachers in your community, books from the library, or sometimes paid instruction. A one-time instruction is is sufficient, and they're yours to practice and experience the benefits forever. Both are empowering paths of healing and health and well-being.
Sometimes you may find that the relaxation is the gateway practice to meditation. Sometimes meditation is more appropriate for sometimes those A-type people who need to believe that they are concretely doing something and are not quite convinced that relaxation is actually a very, very active process. One more thing. You need to find something, a practice that's a good fit for you. Like I said, there's several meditation practices, and you need to use your own inner guidance to steer the direction of what is the appropriate practice for you. So, let us continue and explore the benefits of meditation. to what is perhaps the most popular thing about meditation. How does it affect anti-aging? Um, I heard this and I got extraordinarily excited for various reasons because it seemed for the longest time that aging was a completely one-way direction road. It's not. So let's explore that. Meditation has been found to increase an enzyme called telomerase. Telomerase is the thing at the end of each one of our cells' chromosomes, the genetic material, which is the chromosomes look like the little XY, the little X's, and they have little uh, ends, little end caps, and they always use the example of a shoelace and the little plastic tips, right? And as we progress around the sun and we have stressors and illnesses and so forth and so on, uh, negative thoughts, etc., all these affect uh, the telomere length. The research on this demonstrated that caregivers of Alzheimer's and cancer patients had shorter telomeres or people with high stress jobs and shift work had shorter telomeres compared to the controlled other groups that did not have these same stressors. So this is research by Elizabeth Blackburn, and there was a Nobel Prize won for this by her and others, and the, uh, by Richie Davidson, Dr. Davidson at University of Wisconsin, which demonstrated that our telomeres get shorter with stress and life experiences, but negative life experiences, but get longer with meditation, particularly mindfulness meditation, increased telomerase, and increase the length of the telomeres even in the continued face of stress. So you do not have to have the negative effects at a cellular level of aging because meditation is one way that you can mitigate its effects by increasing the telomerase. And of course, you get all the behavioral benefits that are a much calmer response in front of your stress, a resilience, a bouncing back, which means that you're more elastic, which means yes, stressors are gonna be there, but you will bounce back to a baseline a lot sooner and become less stressed, quicker, and also be able to go back to your relaxed state and have that be your baseline right instead of the stress state another way of course that it improves our uh, youthfulness I guess you could say is that by expressing our true nature we are going through life in a much more relaxed so we had none of those 
furrowed brows and tensed bodies, right? So we have better posture, we have better breathing, better circulation. All of these things allow for you to engage more actively in your occupations and activities and stuff that are valuable to you in everyday life, which will only make you much more youthful, much more engaged with life. One way to know that your meditation is working for you is the gifts that it brings to you in your everyday life. We don't meditate just to meditate. We meditate for the many benefits that we experience in our everyday life. The example I like to use is one that was used by one of my teachers for primordial sound meditation at the Chopra Center by Roger Gabriel. He said, we take the experience of meditation like a dive in the ocean or a pool. And when we come out, we're glistening and wet. And that wetness comes out with us and we and it kind of condenses out into the world and into the air and that is the effects of meditation and so each time we dive into this ocean of meditation we bring back those gifts and so we get immediate benefits and then long-term benefits as our nervous system gets more and more trained and we experience the cellular changes associated with meditation so meditation has been found to also actively increase the number of cells in the hippocampus area, which is the brain area for memory, and the activity between the brain areas associated with the executive function and impulse control and positive brain affect, that is the frontal lobes, the left prefrontal cortex, and of course the hippocampus connecting with these allow us to reduce that negative bias we talked about in the previous episode that lets us remind ourselves and remember that we have had negative experience and bounced back from them and we've got this. We can handle this problem. The less connected these parts of our brain are, the more likely we are to stay in that stress survival mode and think that it's permanent and of course act accordingly. And that generally is not very helpful. Ultimately, once removed from the stress and survival mode, you can become then more creative. You will have more choices then, and you will have, of course, then an awareness and a cleared perception of yourself, the events in your life, others, and you will have self-compassion because you will have a memory of yourself as a well person, as your true nature, rather than the occluded, accumulated effects of conditioning and stress. So as Eric Schiffman says, it kind of gives us, he's another yoga teacher I was very grateful to be able to study with. He says it gives us that helicopter view that lets us look above at the traffic and see the jams, the traffic jams, and give us more options. Maybe go another way, right? We're not stuck in a particular way of being. Another thing we need to talk about now is how does meditation improve our memory? So similarly as what we just talked about, the increased cellular growth and activity in the hippocampus, that's neuroplasticity, which we thought the brain did not have new cells. Well, it does and it changes. Um, the activity between the brain areas and the resulting increased attention and its relationship to brain health and the increased telomerase and the decreased inflammation in the brain all add to the improved memory. A lot of times our cellular aging and our inability to remember things is because we're not paying attention. We don't have the presence of mind to take in something. If you don't take in something, you can't remember it. You never took it in. So rather than saying, oh, I'm 
forgetful or rather being them being scattered, which has been found to have a negative effect on cellular health, you actually have the attention and awareness throughout your life. You show up, you're present, and therefore your memory becomes better. So there's structural, cellular, and macro level, and then there's behavioral and cognitive behaviors that all come together. And the Alzheimer's Prevention uh, Organization talks about how the mantra, the Curtin Kriya Mantra Mudra, which we will be talking about later in the show, has been found to improve and decrease the effects of Alzheimer's, actually reverse it in some cases. Pretty exciting stuff. So lastly, I'd like to talk about how does meditation improve our emotional regulation? Well, emotional regulation and moods are directly connected, of course, with our cognitive components. But not only does our cognitive components affect our mood, it's because of our thoughts. So if we can calm our mind to look at our thoughts outside of ourselves, get to know what these thoughts are before they become, we become identified with them, then we can respond instead of reacting. That left prefrontal cortex gets stronger that Dr. Davidson's uh, research shows and also Sarah Lazar's research shows, which that prefrontal cortex area then gives us a choice, right? And also, as you heard in the previous episode, there's a reduction of the amygdala's activity and size. It actually has been found to shrink. And that is the high, you know, the extremely high trigger emotional part of the brain, including the limbic system. Both of those have less activity and shrink in size. So how exciting is that? So you actually are creating a brain structure that is fit for better emotional mood regulation. And if you practice yoga, research has shown that yoga compared to walking or other exercises increases certain chemicals such as GABA. And of course, also both meditation practices and relaxation practices and yoga both increase the vagal response. Now, the vagal response makes up almost 80% of our parasympathetic nervous system. That's the relaxation response nervous system, right? And if that is activated, then we will be acting from a place of restful alertness, restful awareness, rather than stress. And so, of course, our mood will be directed towards other things besides from a following of a stress thought response. Our thoughts guide our moods and emotions. So it's very important to be able to witness them and realize that they are outside of us and have an internal focus of behavior. So let's get practicing. We will be practicing three practices in the next section of this episode. See you there. Before we begin with our practices, I would just like to provide you with some resources. The book Altered Traits by David Goldman and Richard J. Davidson, that's Dr. Davidson of the University of Wisconsin, is a great book so that you can understand the science that reveals how meditation changes your mind, brain, and body. Any book by Deepak Chopra would be fantastic. However, Perfect Health is fantastic for occupational therapists or people who want practical applications of the yogic um, meditations and mindfulness and all that. I love this book. If anything, everyone should own it and have it on their nightstand Uh, or kitchen because it does talk about food (laughs) and uh, Ayurvedic nutrition. Another resource is Sarah Lazar's YouTube video, 
any video by Dr. Kabat-Zinn on YouTube or any book by Kabat-Zinn. He's the original mindfulness creator by calling Vipassana meditation mindfulness and creating a program, the MBSR program, for mindfulness-based stress reduction program, uh, which is an eight-week program. I highly recommend anyone taking it, uh, everyone to take it. And uh, any book by him would be perfect. Coming to Our Senses, a very approachable one to include everyday experiences into your meditation. Because again, like I said, meditation, including mindfulness meditation, the proof in the pudding is the proof in your life. You will see the benefits of meditation in your life. And so that is why it's so powerful to include your uh, senses. Another resource which I think is just incredible is um, the website of Chopra.com, which has tons of articles, and uh, PubMed. Just Google anything, put Elizabeth Blackburn. She's the one who won the Nobel Prize on telomere research. And she's done a lot of research on the practical applications of this. And um, also type in Dr. Davidson and neuroplasticity and meditation and brain. And you will pull up tons of research articles from him. As far as uh, OT, there was a recent study on using the OM mantra. Uh, for stroke patients to improve cognition, just Google that on, on AJOT. That's a research poster article. And anything by Dr. Hardison, Mark Hardison, he's an occupational therapist, has done lots and lots of research on mindfulness for rehabilitation and for minimizing pain in hand patients. So there you have it, lots to work with. Um, so let's start with mindfulness breath practices. So we'll start with a mindfulness breath practice. And so I would like you invite you to sit down or lay down or get comfortable in whatever position, close your eyes, or if closing your eyes is not comfortable for you, to softly focus your eyes on one point. Gently be, bring, settle into your body and bring your awareness to your body for a few moments. Once you have done that, bring your awareness to your breath and just observe it, not trying to change it, not trying to judge it, just observing it. Notice the length of the inhale and notice the length of the exhale, not counting it, just observing it. Notice your body as you're breathing in and breathing out. Notice the temperature of your breath as you breathe in and the temperature of your breath as you breathe out. Notice your chest and belly expanding as you breathe in. And just observe your breath for the next few moments, not trying to change it, not judging it, just being with your breath as it is right now.
becoming aware of your breath again more deeply, breathing in deeply and breathing out deeply, coming back into your body, to the surrounding room, visualize the room briefly, and gently and softly open up your eyes. The next practice we're going to practice is a mantra breath meditation. This is uh, a mantra meditations are like I told you, there are various, many of them, there's various of them. However, the, the most popular one that you probably have heard of is the transcendental meditation one. And that one is a personal mantra or perhaps the Deepak Chopra Center uh, Primordial Sound Meditation. Again, that is a personal mantra, but any mantra will do. And while the mantra meditation is that focused attention on a word or a phrase, contemplative prayer does that as well. Um, An interesting aspect of primordial sound meditation is that it comprises a lot of components of many traditions of uh, meditation. So it's one of my favorites. And um, it includes Vipassana mindfulness by the four soul questions and first coming into our body and then our breath and then our self and our sense of being. So that focused attention, it includes the mantra meditation and it includes, of course, the concept of intention and attention with its four intentions at the end of its meditation. Um, I'm going to start now with the so hum meditation. So let's just quietly again sit or stand or whatever was whatever comfortable positions available to you and again gently close your eyes and if that's not available for you just gaze softly at a distant point or a close point somewhere that you can just relax your eyes on bring your awareness to your body gently relaxing it with each exhale and as you breathe in gently say quietly to yourself so And as you breathe out, hum. I'll mind the time and just continue in that way. So for your inhale, hum for your exhale. Not trying to change your breath, not trying to change your exhale. Just going like surfing the waves of your breath. So hum. If you find yourself getting distracted for whatever reason, just gently come back to your breath, come back to so hum. Be compassionate and kind to yourself. Gently releasing the mantra. So hum. And coming back to your body and your breath. Gently opening your eyes. And then for our third practice, we will go ahead and do a mudra mantra one. The one I talked about from the alzheimerspreventionorg website. 
It's a curtain crea, which research demonstrates um, can ameliorate uh, the many of the symptoms of Alzheimer's and cognitive decline. So this one includes a hand gesture. So curtain is in Sanskrit the word for uh, a song or phrase, and kriya is either a movement or a gesture. We'll be doing hand gestures, and that is with bringing both hands, bringing your thumb to your index fingertip, your middle finger tip, ring finger, and then pinky tip. So you'll be bringing your thumb to each one. On the next round, you'll go back to your index finger and go back. So it's sa, ta, na, ma. A question I always get is, does this work with any other phrase? Um, the research has shown that you need to use the satanama, mantra meditations, and everything in our life is vibrational. And it has been proven to be uh, very efficacious. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? <laughs> so if we know it works, use that. And as I said, these are Sanskrit terms, so it's no different than saying oh, any word in any language, except Sanskrit has a vibrational component to it. It's one of the most ancient language. It is the most ancient language in the world. And so it does have a particular powerful frequency to it. Plus also your tongue in your mouth saying it also has a, uh, touches meridian points in your mouth and vibration in your brain. So we like to include that as an aspect of it to why you use satanama. So we will be doing it just for one minute. So I'll be doing 15 seconds of the satanama aloud, whisper, and then quietly, then back to whisper aloud, and then that would be it. Now it is a 12 minute uh, meditation, all of these can be extended. Every one of these meditations can be extended to any length you want. It's important that you extend it for a set time and stick to that. Do not try and force yourself to do something exaggerated initially and not do that because you'll be training yourself to not reach your goals, not reach your aspirations. And that is not what we're doing. Remember, everything in your life is a training, learning moment. So you do not want to train yourself to set a time and give up. So you want to set a time, even if it's just one minute, like we're going to do today, a minute, minute and a half, but actually do what you say you're going to do. You will be getting into the habit of doing what you say you're going to do. So here we go. We're going to start aloud, whisper quietly to ourselves. It would be two minutes aloud, two minutes whisper, four minutes quietly, and then two minutes aloud, two minutes whisper. It's a 12-minute practice. We're not going to do that today. However, you're invited to go to the Alzheimer's Prevention website, learn all the research. They have everything available. They even have a CD you can order or download. So here goes. Satanama, 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 whisper, Satanama, 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 quietly to yourself. And then whisper again. Sa, ta, 
and aloud. Sata nama, sata nama, sata nama. Pause, and if it's available for you, interlace your hands, flip them around, stretch them overhead above your head, inhaling and exhaling, and gently bring your arms down. One thing I didn't mention, and which is important after you mastered this, so it's sata na ma, bringing your thumb for each one of the phrases to eat the index finger to your pinky and then back again to your index finger, is to imagine a light coming from the crown of your head and coming out through your mind, through your brain, through your uh, center of your forehead, your third eye chakra. And so that is the Kirtan Kriya Yoga, the sata na ma, Kirtan Kriya. That's the last of our practices. All of these practices you can extend as long as you want them for, as often as you want throughout your day. The important thing is that you do them. So what is the best meditation? The one you do. Again, they're completely meant to empower you to take a hold of yourself and improve your life free of any encumbrance except your own responsibility. So have at it. I'm so excited to be able to share these things with you and namaste. Thank you for listening today. Of Sound Health will post new episodes every Monday. Start your week by exploring and experiencing new and beautiful approaches to enhance your everyday well-being. To continue the conversation, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast player or app. Until next week. Thank you.